Welcome back to another edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tarkowski. As we often say on this show, the Department of Corrections relies on a whole host of government and community stakeholders to support our population and prepare incarcerated people for reentry. Today, we'll visit with Becky McDicken, Outreach Specialist with the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities, to learn how she teaches incarcerated men and women the ins and outs of financial literacy, and she'll also share some useful information for everyone about the latest scams to watch out for. All right, so before we get into the DOC connection, can you give us an overview of your agency? I think I got a good handle on what banking is, but what are securities and how does your department manage it all? Well, the Department of Banking and Securities, obviously we are a regulator. We oversee banks, credit unions, mortgage companies, check cashers, pawn shops, and then anyone in securities, which is the firms and the individuals who sell stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Um, It also may have to do with business offerings, things of that nature, but we're just making sure all of those entities are doing right by the law and by consumers in Pennsylvania. And what does your job, uh, outreach specialist, what does outreach for Department of Banking and Securities look like? Outreach for us really means we're making sure that people in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are aware the Department of Banking and Securities exists. That way, if they have a question, a complaint, they know they can contact us. Um, we have a 1-800 number, and this is going to sound like an infomercial, but it's 1-800-PA-BANKS. Um, and live people actually answer the phone Monday through Friday. But for consumers in Pennsylvania, that is actually a really important number to, um, to know and make sure they understand if there is any problem with their financial institution, that they have help with our agency. So I know what a bank is, I know what a credit union is, but what are securities? What, is, what does securities mean? It's, it's the people who are selling stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that it's um, something that people invest in. So we're making sure that those investment firms and companies are doing um, everything they're supposed to within the law, registering those securities with the federal government or our state agency uh, so that we know what is out there and what is being offered. Okay, so you're kind of the watchdog making sure uh, that the consumers are being treated fairly. Absolutely. And... I wouldn't necessarily think that you would spend a lot of time in prisons. Why do you do so much with the Department of Corrections? Well, as an outreach specialist, my whole job most of the time with uh, banking and securities has been doing outreach, which for me means financial education. About seven years ago, we were approached by corrections and asked if we could Um, see about different financial education curricula that was out there and instead our agency said well what can we do to help I ended up being the person that's been building the program going into the prisons and teaching because we realized there are so many issues with money that a reentrant is going to be dealing with when they're coming out of an SCI. We wanted to make sure they had good information. We're not selling anything at the Department of Banking and Securities, which I always say is one of our number one selling points, um, that we're not selling anything, because sometimes you get you get other volunteers who will go into an, an SCI to talk about financial issues, and yet they're there to sell something or get them to sign up for a bank account that may not meet their needs. So we wanna make sure first and foremost that everybody in the Commonwealth knows we are out here as a resource but with inmates we have found that they are very receptive to information about getting banked about credit history credit reports credit scores 
um, budgeting is becoming more of um, an interesting topic, and they they want to know about investing. So we try to go in, give them some of the basics so that as they're coming back into society, maybe they can make some better financial decisions because money plays a role in everything they do. I think that's so important what you said about Department of Banking Securities not selling anything because that's where I get so uh, hung up sometimes. I want to make smart financial decisions, but I don't know who to trust. I don't know if I call the financial planner, are they really in my best interest? I know what a fiduciary is. I kind of have an idea of of that and fee-based versus commission-based. And I'm always nervous that somebody's going to put me into something that benefits them and not me. Yep, that's a concern many, many people have. So I feel like that just, it does give us a leg up. It's also always good when I walk into the prisons that I'm not from DOC. Um, they, you know, not that there's anything wrong with DOC. I obviously love DOC, but I'm for, I'm an outsider. I'm coming in to help them and they really do appreciate the information that I'm giving them. Um, it's usually very well received if I do say so myself. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, we keep but, having you back. So yeah, I think we agree. Seven years and, and counting. So yeah, I've been in every SCI multiple times. I've been in most of the community correctional facilities. Um, and during COVID, we even pivoted to some virtual online programming for, you know, that when we could, that's, there's obviously issues with technology in some places, but we, we really tried to still be reaching people during COVID, but now COVID's over and I'm back out and in prison. <laughs> <laughs> what are the only people that want that's working to get inside prison, right? No kidding. They always let me out. <laughs> What's the the kind of baseline of knowledge? And I'm, I'm sure it's different every group that you talk to. But you know, some things that I just grew up with. Like I've had a bank account since I was started working at 15 or 16 years old. I just walked into the bank in my local grocery store, set it up by myself, and ever since then I've had a bank. Now I've got a credit union. It's something that I grew up with. But I imagine a lot of folks that you talk to didn't have that baseline of education. How do you meet people where they are? Well, I try to start at the beginning and just explain what banking is and why it is important. And the reasons we, you know, we quote that it's important, um, first and foremost, just safety issues. If you are not banked, you're probably cashing checks and then carrying a large amount of cash on you, and that might make you a target, <laughs> which could then lead to an altercation, which could lead to parole violations, things of that nature. So it's just safer to have your money in a bank. But when people didn't grow up being told to be banked, um, they don't they don't understand that. So we walk through why it's so important. There's and again, safety issues are are paramount. But another big factor is if somebody is relying solely on um, check cashers and then how are they paying their bills then well maybe with cash maybe with money orders and all those fees that start getting associated can start adding up and eating into the money these people are earning I've always so, heard it's expensive to be poor right it, it definitely is and being unbanked definitely helps keep that going by all the additional fees somebody would pay um, and even if they're using a prepaid debit card, the cards usually cost something. It usually costs something to activate them. Then there's the monthly maintenance fees. Um, and then there might be a fee to check your balance and there may be minimum balance requirements. And that all goes for banks and credit unions too. But at the same time, I think that um, the financial institutions are a little more um, upfront about what those fees are with their consumers. I always tell our, our uh, re-entrants to be checking in their neighborhood what's the best, you know, compare and contrast with all the places they have available to them because they're not the same. It is not one size fits all either. 
but it is important to be banked. So when they've never been banked, we explain that. Then we have the population that has been banked, but oh, they've had some issues. Um, so we talk about what's called the checks system. Check Systems is a nationwide reporting system that basically says you had a previous relationship with a bank and it may not have ended well, meaning overdraft fees. Um, this can be important to check because, you know, maybe because life happened and somebody became incarcerated, they may have overdraft fees that they owe to a financial institution, but it can also be a sign that, hey, someone left behind a checkbook and, you know, the ex-girlfriend went on a shopping spree and wrote a bunch of bad checks. That is going to show up in that check systems um, report, which could prevent somebody from opening an account. Growing up, I was always terrified of bouncing a check because I heard that check systems. And once you get on their bad side, you're never going to get a bank account again. Can you get yourself clear out of, of some of those problems from years ago if, if you made mistakes with your checking account and now you want to start over? Absolutely. And one of the things we say, first being armed with the knowledge of what is in your check system report would be the first thing. Are there things out there that are going to prevent you from opening a new account? If there are, if it's something smaller, it can probably be fixed by addressing the issue with whoever the financial institution is. If it's something larger, such as fraud, that happened while someone was incarcerated, it's fairly easy to say, whoa, I have proof of where I was those days this actually wasn't me and get that taken care of in that respect um, so it certainly is something that's overcomable is that a word um, but the thing is um, you know, a lot of banks and credit unions will also offer second chance accounts that's the way that's what we call them um, but it may be you just start with a savings account you don't have a checking account. You don't have a debit card linked to your bank account like you and I probably would. Um, but at least it gets somebody into the banking system using a safer vehicle for their money um, and not paying all those fees. And after they've used that for maybe six months appropriately, no problems, then they can get and branch out into a checking account and have check writing capabilities and you know ATM cards and things of that nature. So um, banks and credit unions will usually work with the reentrant population on those issues to overcome the old issues and then build a new stronger history. And it's important for people to know maybe not just reentrants but people that have had problems in the past. Are there resources from your agency that people can uh, take advantage of? Well there are people at our agency who can tell them what their options are in their neck of the woods you know for banks and credit unions. Um, there is also an initiative that is going on in the Commonwealth. We're monitoring it. We're not like, I, I don't know how to say it, but it's called the Bank On Initiative. And Bank On has a, a website. I will have to get that to you. But on that site, there is actually criteria for what we call um, sort of starter accounts. And it has a list of the financial institutions participating in various regions throughout the country, let alone the Commonwealth. Um, and that can be helpful because it can make you realize if you've got a bank that wants to charge you $12.99 a month, no, <laughs> you know, we can, we can do better. And there are accounts where it might be free, it might be $3.99. So we have some criteria out there um, that can be utilized. We're talking with Becky McDick, an outreach specialist for the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. You spent a lot of time in our facilities, in state prisons. What was your motivation for going inside? And then what are some of the, the maybe misconceptions you had versus what you see when you go in? Um, 
Well, I was asked to go in and start providing some financial education, again, about banking and credit were the two main issues to start with. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm unusual, but I, I fell in love with it, and that's why I'm still doing it seven years later. But I also, I walked in and just realized these were people who wanted information. Um, they, they were, again, receptive to me being there and wanted to talk about it. But you know, I, I know people talk about you go in and the doors slam behind you and it's it's scary. And I, I mean, yes, that happens. But for some reason, it didn't impact me the way it does some people. And I just really felt like I was there to help and provide a message and give good information. So it's just been personally very rewarding. I'm lucky I love my job as much as I do. And um, and I get to do it as often as I can and go into the, pr- the prisons. So um, I think it's so important to have that partnership with other state agencies. We talk a lot about our partnerships with the Department of uh, Military Veterans Affairs, the DMVA, as they come to talk to our incarcerated veterans and employee veterans. As an outside agency coming in and talking to the men and women, what has been their response to you? It's been just overwhelmingly positive. They have lots of questions about bank, being banked. They have lots of questions about their credit history, um, building credit, if they can do that. Um, we do get asked a lot if I can open a bank account from inside the SCIs, which that's very difficult to do. Um, and I tell them that up front. It's, that's almost impossible. Unless you have someone on the outside that you trust implicitly, um, you know, you've got to trust people because you're going to have to give them social security numbers. So we talk, of course, then about protecting identities. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's going to help them open an account from inside, they need to trust that person. And that's where we get into some of the online-only banks that are uh, cropping up out there. I get a lot of questions on those and how they operate and if they're a good choice, um, things of that nature. But um, I, I just, I always have, um, I, I can't say, fun's not the right word. I, I just always, it's an interesting time with interesting questions and I really enjoy the interactions. Well, we speak to reentrants uh, quite regularly who have been incarcerated for decades and they come out and they speak <clears throat> to the challenges of the, the changes in society in the time they've been away. Stuff like the emergence of smartphones, that's, a, that's an easy one, or even the advancement of technology in cars. Does that hold true for banking? You mentioned the, the emergence of online banking. What else has changed over the years that people are eager to learn about? Well, if depending on how long they've been down, they may never have even been banked. They may never have used an automatic teller machine or ATM, which to, you know, again, us on the outside, we just drive through the drive-through ATMs all the time. Um, there's the online banking where there's no more check writing and putting a check in an envelope with your bill stub and sending it off with by licking a stamp. I mean, we can pay everything online now. And the one that still kills me is being able to take a picture of a check and using the app on your phone for your financial institution, sending that to the bank. Um, so you never have to set foot in a bank. Um, but so we, we talk about some of those those changes in technology and most banks have um, tutorials on their website or through their apps about getting people a little more comfortable some of that technology that has changed. Um, but many people haven't been banked at all. So it's all new to them. Um, but we just, we try to give them a good basis for who to call and what questions to be asking. Asking reputable people important questions, I think is a good way to avoid scams. What are the biggest scams out there right now? Maybe targeting reentrants or just the general public? Well, 
there's definitely a lot of scams that target everybody. Um, but specifically, uh, we do see a lot of instances with, you know, re-entrance being scammed because they don't know. Um, the Just the emails that come in uh, with urgent requests for money or money transfers, they don't realize that's a scam. Or, you know, the, now we're getting more text messages today that's just, you know, your Netflix account has Amazon been Amazon account, yeah. You know, Amazon, yeah, exactly. Or there's a package that we're trying to deliver and we can't reach you from UPS. I've gotten those several times. Um, I just tell people, if you don't know what they're talking about, do not click on the link. Check your accounts to see if you've ordered something from Amazon recently that hasn't been delivered. Um, I, you know, if you're trying to sell things on Amazon Marketplace, things or not Amazon, Facebook Marketplace, um, you got to watch out for scammers. I'm, I'm trying to sell something right now, and I've got people trying to, oh, do you take Zelle? And some of these, these, and I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing anyone in particular, but some of these um, cash transfer apps, um, there's several of them. Be very cautious, we tell them. You know, if you're sending money to someone you don't know, you need to verify they actually exist. For example, if you're trying to put a down payment on an apartment and someone says to get them the, the money through XYZ app, you want to make sure that um, they actually exist and the apartment actually exists. And um, they're allowed to rent it out, right? I've heard about those where it's somebody's living there and just some person off the street is saying, oh yeah, I'm going to rent this apartment and, and collect an application fees or or deposit fees and then you go to move in and somebody's already living there. Right. And that actually goes back to an even just a deeper thing with re-entrance. I always try to make sure I tell them somewhere in my spiel's not the right word either, but I just talk to people. Go and find the people live and in person. Look them in the eye because that way you're less likely to be scammed. If you're doing everything over your phone because, hey, this is new technology and I don't understand it, you are more likely to be taken advantage of. So, you know, getting comfortable and having conversations with people is crucial. And I know they work on that in the institutions, but when you're talking about, you know, I have a banking problem, I have a money problem, people get embarrassed when they're scammed. People have, you know, get embarrassed. They don't understand how all this works I'm like walk into your bank or credit union ask questions um, it's but it's with anything in life you know being able to make that eye contact and have those conversations so you know I'm getting back to just basic communication as opposed to just banking but and I think uh, they defer to authority right if somebody comes and they sound like they know exactly what they're talking about and maybe I don't trust myself because I haven't had a lot of experience with this this guy tells me exactly what to do. I'm just going to do it. Right. Well, and that's something we, we talk about in the um, investing basics class that I do because we're finding some people are very interested in investing and it's probably because they may want to make up for some lost time in making money. But you get that, hey, is, you know, this sounds really awesome. You got you to gotta do this now. You got to act fast. And they're preying on the, the lack of knowledge. They're preying, you know, giving them that sense of urgency. And you know, if it's your cousin Vinny telling you, you this is too good to be true, no, you got to take advantage of it. Now it's probably too good to be true. Um, so you got to be very careful there. Um, and actually, that reminds me one other thing we've been getting a lot of questions on is cryptocurrency. Um, and I just, I basically say as a method of payment, it is unregulated and, you know, personally speaking, um, I don't touch it, but you know, you do you, do you do your own research on it if you want to use it. But uh, you know, we've heard stories, people making millions overnight and losing millions overnight. Um, but I think there are people coming out going, oh, that's for me, you know, have at it. You can do you, but never invest money you can't afford to lose, which I think for our reentrant population can be very important because they're coming out again, trying to make up for lost time. So they may try to, ooh, let's see if I can make that, you know, double my money overnight. 
yeah, probably not going to happen. So I do try to give them the basics on when they start you know, getting into stocks and bonds and mutual funds and how all that works and what those are. I don't give advice, but um, I tell them how they can find reputable advisors who may be able to help them and uh, things of that nature as well. <laughs> I think a lot of scam victims are fall prey to their own, I don't want to call it greed, but it's that promise of easy money, right? right. So like you talked about selling stuff online and then you get the email or you get the text that says, I'll pay you double of what you're asking for. All you have to do is uh, I'm going to send you a check and then you cash the check and send me a little bit back. And then, and if you really stop to think about it, like why Does would this person mean, be right. paying me twice as much money as I'm asking for my used 30-inch television? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Right. But it's an easy sale. You think you're, you've got something. They've got a sob story of why they can't pick it up because their kid has an ear infection or whatever it is. And you just think, okay, this this will work. And then I think if you really stop to think about it, you would say this is too good to be true. Yep. It really boils down to that. So there's just so many scams. But watch out for the urgency in nature. That's one of the key things. Um some, you know, and of course, there's no Nigerian prince who wants to marry you. But <laughs> uh, they want to marry me, but I think they want to use my bank account to uh, to store their thirty million dollars, and they'll give me a million if I just let them keep the rest of it in there. Well, and that's actually another thing. Our department is is um, we've done a lot of work with romance scams, and actually for reentrants who may be wanting to reconnect with people, you know, going on those dating sites can be very dangerous. And somebody's like, you know, oh, I really can't wait to meet you, and now, oh, I can't meet you because. I had a car accident and I need $5,000 and boom. So there's just so many things they haven't heard of because they've been inside and they may not be watching the news as frequently as some of us do on the outside, but we're just trying to make sure we touch on all of that and give them some, you know, again, our, our information as well to call us if there's a question or a concern or a problem of any kind. Very good to know that there are folks like Becky McDickin and the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities out there that provide that unbiased third-party information because these scams exist because they work, right? These romance scams, these uh, payment scams, all of them, they, they wouldn't be coming back if they didn't work. So we can talk about it and kind of laugh and, and it's so easy to see, but obviously it's not easy to see or it, people wouldn't still be doing them. Right. Well, and they keep morphing. They change. So they're, they're trying to stay ahead of the curve. They're trying to stay ahead of the police or whoever um, as well. And just they keep sort of changing just slightly enough that people are like, oh, this is new. And they still fall for it. And we're, we're here. You know, people get the phone calls that say, oh, you didn't report for jury duty today. Now there's a warrant out for you. And they don't know that's a scam. Wait, you mean and, I can't clear up my warrant by sending them iTunes gift cards? No, you you cannot. Most most gift cards cannot be accepted for payment for anything other than it's, it's a gift card. Um, but yes, absolutely. And but again, we're we're kind of making light of it. But yes, you know, I I grew up working uh, at, at in retail, and these people would come in. A lot of them older, um, and they would say, oh, "I got to buy all these gifts." If you really dial into why they're buying them, and you have a little conversation, you try to talk. And, and you find out what this is, and you can see the scam a mile away, but um, some of them you can you can talk out of it, some of them you can't. Well, and we do a lot of work at the department um, outside of corrections with elder financial abuse, and that's exactly one of the things, is just they, you know, they're a targeted population, but we have elderly within the prisons too who haven't learned as well. So um, it goes, again, hand in hand, that we just want to make sure we are doing as much education as we can for scam prevention, because if somebody doesn't have a whole lot to lose and they lose it all, it can be absolutely devastating so 
Definitely. Always fun for us to talk about, talk with people who love what they do. You can really tell, Becky, that you like what you do at the Department of Banking and Securities. What keeps you coming back? It's just something new every day. I mean, while the topic's the same, the people are always different. The questions are a little bit different. And um, I get to travel a lot. I get to meet new people. Um, and I just, I feel like I'm making a difference and I'm helping people. And I, who can't love doing that every day? <laughs> so... I work with some really amazing people at the department as well. So I've been very, very lucky. Well, we're very lucky to have you and your support for the Department of Corrections. Becky McDickin, Outreach Specialist for the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks again to Becky McDickin and the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities for all they do to help everyone make smart decisions with their finances. On behalf of executive producer Kurt Bope, I'm Ryan Tarkowski. Thank you for listening. And for more information on the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Corrections PA. Until next time. <laughs>